0: Hope from the tomb. Proofs of the resurrection. You know, in in the Greek-speaking world, Christians greet each other with the phrase, Christ is risen. And the response that people give back in the Greek language is, He is truly risen. Interestingly enough, the Latin church, the Spanish church, the German church, even the Russian church have statements Whereby they focus on the risen Lord. That is the focal point. In America, we often say Happy Easter, but it really doesn't focus on the resurrection. I would encourage you, as you are confident and are comfortable, I would encourage you to tell people He is risen. And to wait and see the response that you get. Often people, maybe they don't know what to say. Maybe they're not used to that. But around the world, the Christian response is, he is risen indeed. He is indeed risen. That's our hope. And I encourage you as you think about that today. You know, this morning as I was just thinking through the day, yesterday morning as I got up and was thinking about what, Christ would have been doing on Saturday and then thinking about Sunday this morning I was thinking about on that first Easter on the first resurrection Sunday only a few believers had the good news to share he is risen I'm sure I can't imitate what it would have been like to hear those ladies that first morning say he's risen he is risen to think about Mary who left immediately when she saw that the tomb was open and she left the other ladies heard what Jesus said and then when Mary came back and met the Lord Though I have heard this all of my life, as, as those of you who have been here, you know, I mean, I left church to be born. So I have been in church nearly my entire life. Though there was a time, though I grew up in church, I personally had to come to a point of accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't think I can do justice to the excitement of those few that first morning. But today we can say with the angels there in Matthew chapter 28 verse 6, he is not here. For he is risen. So here is Easter truth for us today. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we read, Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Today, the hope, the excitement that we have is this. Because Jesus Christ not only died for us, but because he rose again, today we can walk in newness of life. We can live a different kind of life. Not because we are good, but because he is good. Because he died for us. Because he took our punishment. Because he conquered death and conquered sin. Listen to these verses. Job, looking forward to our Lord Jesus Christ, said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though... After my skin, worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You see, the hope not only is that Jesus Christ died and rose again, and that he will in the last day come back to earth and will stand here on earth, but Job had this confidence he also in his flesh would see God. Today, what a resurrection truth we have, what hope we have today. An early Protestant missionary to the Ryukyu Islands, which is Okinawa, the western, southwestern of Japan, an early missionary there discovered an amazing grave. It was a grave that had more than 11,000 skulls in it. No bodies, just skulls. And as the missionary was finding out what took place, the Japanese government in the 1600s knowing that believers were confident that they would be resurrected, they had decapitated 11,000 Christians and separated their heads from their bodies, thinking that they could make it difficult for those Christians to be resurrected because their body had been separated. The crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ are the central theme to the gospel. You can't separate the resurrection from the crucifixion. Brother Dan this morning was reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you'd like to keep your finger here, because we will come back to Matthew 28, but if you'd like to look at that text with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 17. Beginning at verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, Ye are yet in your sins, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. For if in this life also we have hope, we, for in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Resurrection Sunday. The word Easter is a Chaldean word, and it means Passover. It's not a bad word. Today we celebrate the final Passover sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. But I would encourage you, as you think about Easter, it's not a pagan word that we shy from. It is in the New Testament, but the reality is it's not just the final sacrifice. It's the resurrection that tells us now we can live differently 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Revelation 1:17. and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his, hand, his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. There is hope. The wages of sin is death. Separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Before we begin into these resurrection proofs, let's just pray together. Our Father, I thank you for the privilege we have this morning to read your word, to celebrate together, to sing praises to you, to be ministered to, and to study your word, and to realize with confidence that what we believe is for certain the truth so now father we ask that you would speak to our hearts we ask that you would encourage those who are discouraged today we ask that you would today open the eyes of those who have not yet received Christ as their Savior and we pray that the Holy Spirit would be free to work among us that today would be a day of celebration A day of joy, as every Sunday should be, as we remember our Savior's resurrection. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Several years ago, in a Reader's Digest, there were two stories about rescue and heroism. We love to hear the stories about rescue. We love to hear stories about people that go out and help others, especially those who are hurting. Well, one of the stories that month was of a group of soldiers who became so concerned for a baby Iraqi girl that they sacrificed greatly so that she could get the medical attention she needed in the United States. It was called the baby and the battalion. It took a whole group of men to rescue one little girl. Yet we read in Romans chapter 5 verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure for some for a good man some would even dare to die but god displayed god commendeth his love toward us he showcased his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us you see we might wonder am i good enough if it was that Christ died for good men. We would maybe wonder, am I good enough to get to heaven? Have I done enough good things? Have I repented enough of all these other things? Has my life changed enough that now I can be saved? But notice what God did. God showcased his love for us. God demonstrated his love in such a way that we couldn't have any questions about, is God's salvation for me? Because it says God demonstrated his love for me in that while I was yet sinning, Christ died for me. Do you see God's love? Do you see how when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate a God that is so loving that he loved me and he loved you in spite of who you are because he made you? Here is the Easter message. God loves you and provided a way for you to be right with him and to live forever with him in heaven. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Then Jesus said, because I live, because I live, you can live also. Now, if you turn back to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to pick it up at the end of chapter 27, beginning at verse 63. Now, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people he is risen from the dead so the last error shall be worse than the first Pilate said unto them you have a watch go your way make it as sure as ye can so they went and made the sepulchre sure sealing the stone and setting a watch Chapter 28, verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and become as dead men. Verse 11, Behold, Some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. As Paul says, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no good news. When Satan could not stop it, he tried to discredit it. When he could not discredit it, he chose to lie about it. Yet the Bible gives many proofs of the resurrection. Did it really happen? Can we be certain that Jesus really rose from the grave and is alive today? I find it fascinating that the Bible just talks about it and says, this is what happened. It doesn't try to argue and try to persuade us that maybe, you know, that this is credible, it could happen. It just speaks of it as if it is a certainty. Notice the fact about the empty tomb. We read from Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 16 verses 1 through 8 would do the same thing. Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 8 described the same thing. And John 20 verses 1 through 10 described the same event. How do we know that the followers of Jesus did not take his body? I would submit to you as we read from this text, they had begun the burial process of the wrapping and the spicing of the body. Luke 24 tells us that the ladies were bringing more spices to finish the burying process. They clearly did not expect to see an empty tomb. His followers, the ones that they say stole the body, his followers, the key people, were the ones who came and were expecting to embalm him. Mary, Peter, And John were all shocked. You know, Jesus' followers were not even looking for the resurrection. If you were to turn to Luke chapter 24, verses uh, 10 and 11, you would find that when the ladies came and told the disciples that it seemed to them as, the Bible says, idle tales, and they believed them not. Do you notice how here were these people? They were meeting that morning. What a fun time that we could meet this morning and we know the truth. Can you imagine if someone had rushed in this morning and were telling us for the first time as we were breakfasting together, as we were meeting together, trying to figure out what to do as believers, and someone came and said, He's risen. They thought it was an idle tale. They thought the ladies were off. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. You know, when Mary saw the empty tomb, she didn't look inside. She immediately left, and she didn't have the opportunity to meet Jesus at that point. So she left, and she went back to tell the disciples... The other women saw the angels and they heard the good news, but Mary wasn't there. Peter and John came to the tomb and saw it empty and left about the same time Mary returned. Mary was so consumed about the the stone being rolled away that she didn't even look into the tomb at first. Mary now sees the two angels sitting at the head and at the foot where Jesus laid, and it was a picture of the mercy seat. You see those angels and you see that place where Christ had been she was so concerned she wasn't even afraid to speak not willing to even wait for the reply she gets up she walks out and she meets Jesus no once again here's a close friend We don't know if it was grief that kept her from recognizing Jesus or if it was that Jesus kept her from recognizing him at first like he did with the men on the road to Emmaus. But we do know this. When they exchange greetings, he says, Mary. and She immediately responds, Rabboni, Master. If you were to continue reading in that passage, Jesus says, don't, don't hang on to me. Don't keep clinging to me. we both got work to do. You need to go back and you need to be telling people what you've seen. Jesus had work he had yet to do. And he was going to be there yet a little while, 40 days. We find the report of the guards. As you think about building the case, you think about the report of the guards. There were, there were probably several guards, maybe as many as 12 to 16 that had been guarding. We know that some of them were frozen for fear. We know the scriptures also tell us that some of them, whether it was immediately or when they left, some of them went into town and told the high priest. And their response was, okay, let's make up a story. The Pharisees had planned for the resurrection more than the disciples in that when it happened, they had a story and they chose not to believe. You know, this morning, when we finish, it will not be because you would say, I don't know if we've got the facts. I don't know if there's enough people that could verify that Jesus is risen. As we go through these points, you're going to see, without a doubt, there are more witnesses to this than anything we have in history that today we look at and say, oh yeah, for certain, that's a true fact. You know, if they really believed that the body had been stolen, why wouldn't they immediately have called out all the troops and begun hunting for the body and proved that it was wrong? Imagine saying that they slept knowing that sleeping on duty would be a capital offense. Imagine sleeping knowing who took the body. Why wouldn't they just go get the disciples and get the body back? In Matthew chapter 28, if you look back at that text of me, verses 9 and 10, and as they went to tell the disciples, these ladies... Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. Go, tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Here the women who had heard the message of the resurrection now saw the risen Lord. And they believed. I've already mentioned the road to Emmaus in Mark chapter 16 and in Luke chapter 24. On the road, some seven miles, Jesus speaks with these two men and feeds them spiritually. They were shocked as they were walking along and Jesus said, So what news has gone on? And they said, How could you not know what happened to Jesus? And then Jesus begins in the Old Testament and walks them through the Old Testament and says, Here's what the scriptures say about my resurrection. And when they recognized who he was. Mark chapter 16 verse 12, after that he appeared in another form unto two of them and as they walked they went into the country and they went and told unto and told it unto the residue neither believed they them. Jesus appears then to the disciples minus Thomas we read afterward he appeared unto the eleven and sat at and they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after the resurrection do you see how the resurrection was not a stolen body because now every one of the disciples has said this can't be this can't happen and then we read in John chapter 20, verses 26 through 31, the apostles with Thomas one week after the resurrection. And here's the first verbal confession as to the deity of Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Though he doubted, he was clear on his confection. John 20, 26, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within and said, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy, ha- thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto them, My Lord and my God. Some have said, well, maybe he, maybe he just passed out, and they mistook it. But you know, the Roman guards always broke the legs of the prisoners to make sure that they were dead. They were so certain they didn't break his legs. We find Jesus appears at the Sea of Galilee to the, to the disciples. Jesus appears to the eleven at the mountain in Galilee in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 17. Jesus appears to over 500 people at one time. He is risen. He is risen indeed in john chapter 14 jesus said yet a little while and the world sees me no more but ye see me because i live ye shall live also because of the resurrection we have great hope hope in a tomb an empty tomb the resurrection gives us hope because jesus christ lives we can live No, there are many eyewitnesses and more that could have written, but John sums it up this way. John says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But all these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ has defeated and has power over death. The resurrection demonstrates the love of the Father for us, that he planned this for you and for me. And the resurrection brings newness of life and hope. You know, the problem today is not a head problem, but a heart problem. It's not that the resurrection is not well documented. It's a matter of whether or not you want to accept those things. A preeminent lawyer who is very good in trial, he had gone through these facts and at the end of it, he said, The problem is not with my head. I can see. He rose. The problem is with my heart. I must choose to receive him as my savior. You know, I think today that might be the case with some here. If you honestly are skeptical, if you honestly say, just give me the facts, the facts are there that are available for you. But the question today is not do we have the facts to verify that Jesus Christ rose from the grave? The question is what will I personally do with Jesus Christ? You see, God's a loving God. Genuine love does not force. Genuine love gives you the opportunity to choose. God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son, his only son, to take your place to die for your sins. That's love. God is not an angry God. God is not a God that hates you and is trying to make you miserable. No, God loves you. But just as when you get married, each person chooses up their free will. Over 30 years ago, When I stood in a church and Cindy and I met at the altar and we said, I do. The greatest gift to me was the fact that she came of her own free will and said, yes, I want to marry you. That's incredible love. Her dad didn't make her do it. Her mom didn't make her do it. It wasn't a forced wedding. It was a choice. Now, I wanted her to marry me. The hardest thing when we were dating, she came up to me and she said, hey, so-and-so asked if I can go on a date with them. What do you think? We weren't engaged. And my response was, I don't own you. You're free to date whomever you would like. Now inside I'm going, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Outwardly, you're free to do whatever you would like to do. And why did I do that? Because I wanted her to be confident that if she chose to marry me, she knew what she was doing. Do you know today, Almighty God could force you, but he doesn't. He says, whosoever will, you can come. What a great God. Wouldn't you like to be in a relationship with him? Wouldn't you like him to be your God? You look at the awfulness of what the world around us offers. They say, oh, come, and you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this. You've heard the word addiction. You've heard out of control. People whose lives are spiraling What is that? Because all those things that they're worshiping are not good gods, but God Almighty. He loves you. In fact, even if you receive him, he gives you the Holy Spirit who will live inside you. And the Holy Spirit will empower you and he will speak with you and guide you. But you still get to choose even as a believer. You know, I can still choose to do wrong. That's an amazing thing that God Almighty would do that. You know, I don't know what keeps you today from wanting to accept Jesus Christ. Maybe it's some really heavy problems that have been in your life for a long time and you just say, I can't. Maybe there's money difficulties or maybe family issues that you're going through. Maybe it's a question about your health and you say, I just don't have time to think about that right now. But you know, the most important thing is you have now. We don't know what's going to happen to us. My dad, as a 90-year-old, seemed to be in pretty good health. Went to bed and never woke up. He didn't know it was coming. Gratefully, he had prepared. My mom, she had cancer and she had 18 months to prepare. but I think of a sixth grade friend of mine named Chipper. Great kickball player, whole lot bigger than what I was in sixth grade. Chipper died of an enlarged heart as a 12 year old. You see, I don't tell you that to scare you. I don't, I I wouldn't want to do that. My whole goal is I want you to realistically look at life. Scripture says life is short. It's a vapor. You don't know how long you've got, but you do have today. Would you prepare for your future? It's kind of like preparing for a big trip, a big vacation. You've got a short time to do it in. You do the best you can. You get everything ready you can because you want to enjoy that trip. Well, the trip we're talking about is for all eternity. You can't come back, but you've been told, please don't put it off.